the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Amen. Before we get into the presence of God and before we just, you know, get lost in God's presence, I just want to testify real quick. Those don't know me, my name is Berto, one of the pastors here at Metro Praise. We want to welcome you all here this morning. Thank you for coming. And my testimony is this, that today I'm graduating Bible College. Praise God. Amen. After five years of Bible college in a three-year program, okay, so that's my testimony, okay, that uh, that that it took me five years to get done when it was supposed to be three years. Now, um, during this time of Bible college, I had to, you know, retake some classes. I had to work extra harder to get some work done. You know, I'm a type of student that I got to read things two to three times to catch it. Do we got any of those in here? Okay, so, amen. So, throughout, throughout that time, yes, it, could, it was frustrating. It was discouraging at times. But you know what God told me? He told me this in, 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 in 2 Corinthians uh, verse, let's see here. Oops. Verse, uh, chapter 12, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. He says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Amen? So, I want to encourage you now that whatever it is that you have to go through, God's grace is sufficient for you. Amen? I'm only graduate today because of God's grace. And I praise Him for that. Amen? So, Whatever it is that you know that it might be hard for you, whatever it is that you feel like you can't, you don't, you, you, you think that you might not have what it takes, but God has what it takes. That's His grace. Amen. So be encouraged this morning and know that God is with you. Amen. Let's worship and pray. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you so much for your grace, Lord. God, that when we are weak, Lord, God, you're made, you're made powerful in us. God, we bless you for that, Lord. And I just pray, Father, that whoever in here, God, might be um, feel weak at times. It might be just going through works or through school or through ministry or, God, through marriage, through life or through parenting. Father, God, that they will understand that your grace is given, Lord. God, I pray that you empower them by your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's get ready to worship the Lord. Hallelujah, everybody. Everybody say hallelujah. Come on, put those hands together like that. Come on, let me hear you this morning. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, this next song talks about God searching our hearts and that we will follow him the rest of our lives. How many of you guys are ready to do that, to follow him? Come on, say amen. Amen. Sing that. Say, search my heart and search my soul. There's nothing else. There's nothing. heart and search my heart 
worthy this morning. You're worthy, God. You're worthy, Jesus. You're worthy, God, of all the praise and the glory. You're worthy to receive the honor, Jesus. You're worthy of it all, God. God, you were embarrassed in public, God. You took our shame in public, God. So we want to live for you in public, Jesus. We want to love on you in public, Lord. Jesus, out loud, unashamed. Come on, if you're unashamed of him, come on, just raise your voice. Raise your hands this morning. Unashamed of you, God. Unashamed of your love, Jesus. You're worthy of it all, Jesus. He is worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. Come on, just let your praise rise this morning. Come on, just say, God, you're worthy. You're worthy of my song. You're worthy of my adoration. Come on, all attention onto the throne this morning. All attention onto him. Shake it up, my soul. He's worthy. He's worthy. Jesus. We love you, God. We love you. We love you. We love you, Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, I believe that this morning God is waiting on you. He's waiting on me to really let go this morning. Come on, he was almost naked in public, y'all. Beaten and bloodied and tortured in public for you and me. And sometimes we come into an atmosphere like this where there's other people around and we get afraid. Come on, we get quiet. Jesus, God, we ask, God, that our love for you would be bursting at the seams. God, our praise would exude from our lips unafraid and unashamed, oh God. Come on, this world is dying for something real. Oh, Jesus, I ask, oh God, that this morning that our worship would be true and real for you, God. God, all we really want is you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We just love your presence, God. We just want the manifold presence, God, of your spirit. We just want it, God. We just desire it this morning. More than anything, God, we love your presence.
hands up this morning. Come on, tell them. Want to see you. Want to know you. Want to touch you. That's all we want, though, yeah. Want to see you. Want to see you. Want to know you. Want to touch you. Want to touch you, Jesus. Want to see you. Want to know you. Want to touch you. One more time. Want to see you. Want to know you. Want to touch you. Want to see you. Want to know you. Want to touch you. Want to see you. Want to know you. Want to touch you. Want to see you. Want to know you. Want to touch you. Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, that's the cry of our hearts, Lord. It's to touch you this morning. Come on, if you're filled with the Spirit, I want you to speak in tongues right now. Come on. Real, 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 real presence of God this morning. Come on, a real encounter with the Father. A real encounter with the Holy Ghost. A real encounter with the Son of God. He's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. He's the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. Jesus. this morning. I know he's already doing something amazing right now. But right now we believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We believe that the Holy Spirit speaks to his church today. And Holy Spirit, we open up this time for you to speak. We love you, Lord.
words where if you come on, just receive that right now. If you got to kneel, if you got to come to the altar, if you got to sit down, come on, let's respond to the Holy Ghost. Come on, he's talking to you. Come on, respond to him. Respond to him this morning. Come on, draw near to him. Lay it at his feet. Come on, let him love on you. Jesus. your hands right now as we sing this song this morning we draw near to you God we're here because we're after your presence we're after you we're lovers of your presence God we make it all about you we want to be in your presence we want to be with you we want to hear your voice we want to see your face dear God we want to hold your hand want to live holy and pure with you dear God because we're a lover of your presence come on just you and Jesus right now
We want to be lovers of your presence. Come on, decide in your heart this morning to know nothing more than God before all things. If that's your heart, God says he will give you the desire of your heart. If you desire to draw close to him, he will desire to to draw close to you. He never changes. He always stays the same. And he says, come near to me this morning. Oh, let it be so that there will be a heart, a room of hungry hearts, dear God, to know you. A room of hungry disciples to know you and make you known into this world. Do it, Holy Spirit. Do it this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, give the Lord some praise. He's answering prayers this morning. Come on. He's touching hearts this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Welcome to Metro Praise. Why don't you guys just take a seat this morning? My name is Pastor Griselda. Good to have you here. And I just want to take this moment to dismiss the children. Your Sunday school teacher is waiting for you in the back. And I just want to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with you. If you guys can turn in your Bibles to John 3.3. We want to share this with you and just make it so simple to understand why we meet this morning. 
We meet this morning because we've been changed, because we've met with God. There's been transformation. There's been, uh, the old has become new in our lives. And we want to seek after his face and, and gather together to give him glory. And here in John 3, 3, it says, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Everybody say born again. It's a new life. It's a new life that only God can give. And many times we come to church, we invite people, just come to church, and you expect them to just instantly be transformed by just coming to church. And then people will try to live a good life and try to do the right thing and and try to stay away from sin as much as they can and try to do it all in the flesh and become a good person. But the Bible tells us that we have to be born again. It has to be something that changes from the inside out. Your heart to be transformed when you meet Jesus. And that's what happened in many of our lives here in this room. If you have not been born again, the Bible says that you don't have a place in God's kingdom. The Bible says that your place is in the kingdom of hell that was not created for us. An eternal punishment for all those who rejected the sacrifice that Jesus provided for us. But John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world... That's his love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This morning, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ like never before, if you come to him like a child, if you rely on him and trust in that sacrifice that he gave for you, you have a place in God's kingdom and you are a child of God. A child of God adopted into his kingdom given a place the bible even goes on to say that the kingdom of god you know it's it's his invitation it's like an invitation to a wedding banquet it's something to be joyous about excited about god's kingdom is where we want to be and where we want to spend all of eternity so put your trust in jesus and if you're living for christ let me tell you god has a purpose for your life God wants to use you to reach out to other people who are not on the right path. And God wants you to be a disciple that makes disciples. I pray today that God would touch your heart and that you would be that person, that disciple he's called you to be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather as believers, to share your word, to share your truth. I thank you for your presence, dear God. And Holy Spirit, I just ask that if there's anyone in this room that's not living for you, that may be close to the kingdom, but God has not yet there, that you would draw them near today, that you would touch on their hearts and your mercy and grace would extend to them this morning. And Father, I pray for disciples to arise in this room, men and women who will pick up the cross, who will count the cost, dear God, be teachable and humble, dear God, willing to learn about your awesome truths. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. If you guys could please stand to your feet with me. Right now, we are going to do our confession of faith. This is what we believe is our biblical worldview. If you would like a copy of this, please raise your hand. Anybody? We're going to recite this on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation in his death burial and resurrection and the holy spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever 
I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment of all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, for God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen and amen. Come on, if you need prayer this morning, we have our workers over here ready to pray with you. Otherwise, we give you the next few minutes to fellowship. Greet your neighbor. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're excited to have every single one of you gathered together. We love you. We hope you love us because we love you very much. But welcome to Metro Praise International. Our services are every Sunday at 10 a.m. And every Friday we have Elevate, our youth group meeting together at 7 p.m. Elevate. Wonderful. Uh, well, I have a quick announcement before we get into our vision. We are having a graduation celebration today following the service for our Bible college students. Give it up for them. So if you can, if you can remain with us immediately following the service, we will have the graduation celebration and present the class of 2013 before you and just honor and celebrate them. Amen. 
Our vision here at Metro Praise is loving God and loving people. We desire to do that with all of our heart. Our discipleship strategy is very simple. It's connect, mentor, and send. Our desire is to connect you to our weekly life groups. If you have a handout, please raise it up. If you don't, raise your hand, your empty hand, and our ushers will give one to you. All of our life group days and locations are listed on here. Take a quick look at it. There have been some adjustments. We will be bringing uh, those, that news to you next week. But we want you to get plugged in. We want to be a church of disciples that share life together. How many of you guys want to share life together? Those that are, how many of you guys are enjoying sharing life together with other disciples? Come on. And then we want to mentor you. We have a 101 book. That is our 101 phase. Welcome to your new life. Seven steps to your spiritual growth. We have leaders ready and willing to meet with you on a one-on-one basis to mentor you, to teach you how to live for Jesus. And then our 201 phase of discipleship is a class every Sunday morning, Disciples That Make Disciples, where we raise you up to be leaders in the church. And then we want to send you out to evangelize and tell other people about Jesus. Everybody excited about that? How many of you guys like telling people about Jesus? Come on. We're a passionate, passionate church for evangelism and discipleship. And our goal is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and then 500 churches around the world. If you believe we could do that by God's grace, say amen. Woo, we're excited. I'm excited. Are you excited this morning? Because I am excited. A lot of good stuff is going to happen today in the service. And I'm just really excited about our Bible college students and just honoring them after service. Amen. Let's prepare at this time to receive our tithes and offerings. If you could turn, or I'm going to read to you if you want to turn with me to Malachi 3.8 as you prepare to give this morning. Malachi 3.8. I'll give you a few seconds to get situated. It says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. We believe that the tithe is 10% of our total income. And the offering is anything above that tithe. And that amount is between you and the Lord. And the scriptures are very clear about us being faithful to the tithe and offering. Because it is an extension of our relationship with God. And in this passage of scripture, it is very clear that if we do not put God first and give to him our tithe and offering, that we are robbing God himself. And I want to thank everybody that gives faithfully. We thank you for making it possible for MPI to do what we're doing for the glory of God. We can't do it without you. And for those that have not made this a discipline in your life, I want to encourage you to do so. Because when we say we love God and we love people, we desire to do that with all of our heart. And loving God means that we follow his commands. We put him first, not only in our personal life with our family, but especially our finances. And the Bible promises that we will receive back. But we cannot receive unless we give. What's in our hand needs to be faithfully brought before the Lord first so that God can bless us. Let's give to be a blessing so that when we receive, we'll be, we'll be able to give it back. Amen. If you could stand up with me. As we prepare to come forward and give, let's recite this passage of scripture together. Luke 6, 38, give, and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap for with a measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your presence and your love. I ask, oh God, that you would continue to take charge of the rest of the service. I pray that you bless all the tithes and on the offerings that will be coming forth. 
bless and prosper your people. I pray to God for doors that you would open that no man can shut and shut doors that no man can open. I pray that it would be a sweet aroma before you, God, as we give to you first and foremost through our finances, as we take a stand to say, God, you receive the glory. You be glorified. I pray that you meet our budget this month at MPI so that we could do all that you've called us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. Come forward as you give. Good morning, good morning, everybody. Well, because we are graduating today, our uh, SUM students, there's one that has a special presentation that she would like to do, one of our graduates. So let's give it up for Lauren Sayinski as she comes. And she's going to talk to us about sex trafficking. Amen. Thank you. Uh, like Pastor Joe said, my name is Lauren Sayinski. I'm a deacon here at Metro Praise International. And I have just completed my last and final year of Bible college. Thank you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but for this last year, I've been concentrating on the topic of human trafficking. And to be honest, this, this subject is not an easy one to research. It's very heartbreaking. And it's, it's crazy to know that that's what's happening in our world today. Um, I believe, as I speak to you today, that what I'm telling you with the things that I've learned, that it will also move your heart. There's about 27 million people being trafficked. For you that don't know what human trafficking is, it is the legal trade of human beings for sexual exploitation. Many people call it modern day slavery. There's 27 million, like I said, being trafficked around the world. 2.5 million of them are here in America. I want you to understand these numbers right here. 600,000 to 800,000 people will be added to the total number of people being trafficked just this year in 2013. 600,000 to 800,000 people will be added this year alone. We have to understand that this is not only happening in India and in, you know, these these. Uh, for our third world countries. It's happening in every city, in every country, and in every neighborhood. It is the second fastest growing criminal industry in the world after the drug industry. It generates about $32 billion a year, and so you understand how much money that is. It's more than Nike, Google, and Starbucks combined. $32 billion a year sex trafficking is making. Of all the people being trafficked in the world, 80% of them are female, women and girls, and 50% of them are children. And these are not just children who are 18 and 17. These are children who are 6, 7, 3 years old. They're the same ages as your children, as my children. I believe the way that we see this more openly in America is through prostitution. Although there are many children who are being trafficked in America, I believe they hide it uh, a lot more than in other countries because of the consequences that will happen in this country if they're found out. But the way that we see it more openly is through prostitution, and I know 
that many of us will look at prostitutes and will think, oh, they made some bad choices in their life and they got themselves there, or they, you know, something along the way, they got addicted to drugs and now they're just stuck in that lifestyle. But although that's true for some of them, the reality is a lot of them are victims of human trafficking. The average age of a woman who gets into prostitution is between 12 to 14 years old. They're babies. Right now, I just want to take a moment so that we can show you a video. Um, this is a, a, an amazing ministry that does things with human trafficking around the world. And this is just going to give you a little insight into what it's like. I made $393 a month, and he could buy a girl for $10 a night. I went to bed with over 500 girls in two years, and because they were there. You ask uh, if you, the favorite type of what you like, if you want dark or brown, you ask it, and they, the girl come to you. It's like you order a pizza, something like that, you can compare it. CIA would say that the sale of women, we're not talking pornography, and we're not even talking about prostitution. We're talking about just the sale of women constitutes the third largest industry in the world. Dozens upon dozens upon dozens of girls in a village of 3,000 people that are raped five to ten times a day for money, for the pleasure of some guy, foreigner, coming to our country. If they kill her, if they harm her, they don't care. They do it with a blink of an eye. Just like, like that. Patron Wakif. Pistat loc mă uit să mă stăr mai mult între lume să mă țin. De timp eu am împrezit că mă urmărești. Eu chiar că stau aici, eu de timp stau cu frică că nu găsească și I can tell you this, that I can't get the pictures of those girls' faces out of my mind still today, and I, I don't imagine that I ever will. you guys believe that there is hope for them, can I hear you say amen? Amen. 99% of the victims of human trafficking are never rescued. 99%. And I believe that's where we as the church come in. I believe that we can reach out. We have something that they need. The only hope is Jesus Christ. So the way that you can partner with us is to pray. Number one, you can pray for the victims all around the world. You could pray for the victims in Chicago, in this country. And number two, you could pray that Metro Praise continues to have doors opened, that we would be able to get involved and ultimately see girls rescued. Amen? Thank you. Praise God. Wow, that's amazing.
You know, when we look at uh, what Metro Praise is doing right now, we have four community events. We've had three, and now this is our fourth one. We have a West Side ministry. Every week we run a van out to the West Side to pick up people to come. You've seen some of them here. Uh, from the nursing home, some of them are mentally challenged. And we pick up the children every Wednesday. We also volunteer out there throughout the summer. And uh, Thanksgiving, we go out and do meals. So we've been volunteering and making a difference on the west side. We also have a ministry to those that are pregnant and don't want their children, to the abortion clinics, going out once a month with Pastor Jared, making a difference for the unborn lives, helping them out. We also have a drug rehab that we work with. Pastor Jared is on staff at Teen Challenge, the nation's best drug rehab program. Not just Christian rehab program, but drug rehab program. AA and NA have about a 20% success rate. Teen Challenge has an 80% success rate all over the country. And we have one of our members that is a leader there teaching the students, and we work with them when we find homeless people that have addictions. And then now, lastly, we are honored to add sex trafficking to our list of things to do. And so I'm going to ask that my wife would come up and tell you about what the ladies are going to do with another church, New Life Covenant, with Pastor Choco, and going out reaching the prostitutes the day and time that they're going to do that. So, Nancy, would you tell them about that, please? Amen. Yes, we are honored, and we thank God for all that Lauren uh, put into work this past year. And her and I are currently in communication with New Life, with Pastor Choco. They have a couple of ministries that they are involved in. They've been doing it for years. One is called Rose of Sharon. And that's the one that Lauren and I are going to be attending next Friday. It's kind of like a, a closed group in the sense where you have to give them notice ahead of time to see how many are attending. So Lauren and I will be joining them next Friday, 9.30 p.m., and they're going to take us to wherever part in Chicago in the city, and we're going to be handing out roses to the prostitutes and giving them information on how they can get out. So the information on how we as a church will join will be uh, coming soon. As soon as we can get our foot in the door with that and find out how it works, we will be presenting it to you as a church, and Lauren will be in charge of that and leading it up so that we as women of Metro Praise can get involved and have a voice in the city to rescue these girls. Amen. So if you want to be a part of that, talk to Nancy or Lauren, and God will do a wonderful work there. Now, this ministry is specifically for women, though, okay? Uh, we want to make sure that it's women reaching the women. And let's pray now. Let's all stand up, please, and let's pray for uh, sex trafficking, specifically um, in Chicago and around the world. I would like Lauren now to pray for her ministry in the heart of God for these uh, precious people. Amen. Father, we thank you so much. Because your hand is not far, your ear is not deaf to the cries of the people, Father, that are in bondage. We ask you, God, that you would bring freedom, that you would open doors, Lord, that you would be able to use us to bring freedom, O oh God. I pray even now as they're captured, Father, as they're doing things that is just beyond imagination, O oh God, I pray that you would draw near to them. I pray, God, that they would feel your tangible presence, O oh God. I pray, Lord, that they would be saved and that they would be filled, O oh God, that they would know you, Jesus. Use us to reach these people in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Give them a hand clap if you want. Come on. Don't patty cake it. Amen. Open up your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm so glad that you're here. 
Uh, Our church is just excited about this new season, and we believe everything we're going to do is going to be by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We don't believe it's just God the Father, the Son, and that's it. We believe it's God the Father, the Son, and what? The Holy Spirit. And so there ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because the Holy Ghost party don't. Now, if you go into a church and the Holy Ghost not invited, what kind of church is that? That's like having a birthday party for someone and the person never showing up. This is supposed to be his party. Now, the Bible says the Father sits on a throne. He's in heaven. The Son sits next to him. But the Holy Spirit covers the earth like the waters do the sea and the air does the sky. So he is everywhere. He is here. But yet he's a person. He's not a force like Yoda. He has the very personality of the Father and Son. And his job, his focus upon this earth is to bring glory to the Father and to the Son. So basically, you could say he's the Wi-Fi of heaven. Are you listening? The Wi-Fi of heaven. But he's not just a force. He is a personality. And when you're born again, he lives on the inside of you. And then he wants to baptize you with power. So all this month, we've been going through the series, The Spirit-Filled Life. We talked about being born and baptized in the Spirit the first two weeks. Last week, we talked about taking a drink of the Spirit. Because I know many of you were thirsty after the Boricua Fest to get filled up. And here's just something to remember. Whenever you work hard for Jesus, you've got to drink. Drink hard for Jesus, okay? Whenever you pour yourself out, it's got to get poured back in. Look at your neighbor and say cheers. It's okay to drink in the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing about drinking in the Holy Spirit. You'll never get intoxicated and have a hangover. You'll just get fuller and fuller and fuller till you want no more. And I would rather have Jesus than any high in this world, right? Jesus supersedes all natural highs. Now today, I want to go verse by verse through 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Today's sermon is... God's gifts are for everyone. Would you put up the title there for me, uh, Brother Sienski in the back? Come on. For everyone. Say this with me. For everyone. Thank you. I want to now go verse by verse through a chapter of the Bible that talks about these spiritual gifts so that all your questions hopefully will be answered so that if you thought anything was weird in this service, you'll know that it's no more weirder than the Bible itself. Now, if the Bible is weird to you, then that's, you know, how you're going to view it. You're going to view what we're doing as weird. But if you consider the Bible to be the Word of God, then what you experience in a church like ours, a spirit-filled church, that is normal. Now, sometimes when people have a temperature, they put their hand on themselves and then they touch the child or touch the other person, right? Now, if you are frozen chosen, what I call the frozen chosen, and you are as cold as an ice cube for Jesus, and then you touch me, you'll be, woo, you got a temperature, Baba. You know, but, but listen to me, I don't got a temperature. I'm just running the normal degrees. You are the frozen chosen. So you can't compare me to you. You've got to compare me to the Bible, and I've got to compare you to the Bible. Is everybody tracking with me? Okay, so let's look at the Bible. And because a lot of times people hear a preacher like me, and and let me just pause and say this. I know that my job as a preacher gives me the benefit of knowing the Bible. And I never want to uh, bamboozle you or hit you on the head with it or take advantage of that. Because that would be the same like me showing up to your profession and you making up stuff on the job. You know, we have people here that are police officers. And if they just arrested me and threw me across the car and started making up laws, I wouldn't appreciate that. You know, or those of you who are doctors or nurses, I wouldn't appreciate you touching me in certain places just because 
you know, that's what you want to do. Sicko, right? Oh, I just have to check you out here today. Cough, and, I, and then cough again, and cough again. It's like, hey, hey, I've coughed enough, right? Well, that's just what I want to do. I make this stuff up as I go along. No, I don't want to be molested by a doctor. Are you, are you guys tracking with me, right? Uh, you know, and, and the same thing if you're a mechanic, and, and, you, and you're checking out my car, and you say the Fandingle thing has broken, and it's going to cost you $500. You know, mechanics, I love you, but I don't understand why you guys can never get things right. I went to one mechanic. He says he's going to charge me $900. The other mechanic says $300. What's wrong with you guys? Is one lying to me? The other one telling the truth? Do I do, could it be fixed with a paper clip? I don't know. I'm trusting you, right? So you're trusting me when you come. I'm the pastor. I got the PowerPoint, the notes up here. Scroll and impress everybody real quick. Uh, Andrew, let, let them see all the scrolling here, all the work today. Whoa, there. Everybody just go, ooh. Ah, oh, here it is. Scroll a little faster. Thank you. Oh, there it is. Oh, look at the chart. Oh, he made a chart. Everybody go, oh, there's a chart. And there's I'll go all the way down to the bottom. And then there's, there's a good quote down here. And I'll just give you the message, uh, the, the conclusion. And we can all go home. I'll give you the conclusion. I don't believe anyone can honestly, with an open mind, read Paul's writings of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12 and 13, verse by verse, and walk away not believing the gifts are for everyone. Oh, see, there it is, right? Now, you're, you're, you're having to take my word for it. It should say chapter 12, not 13. I apologize. But let me say this. My job as a pastor, though, is not just to give you information and you take my word for it. That's why I gave you all of those examples. You know, you need to go back home and check this out. You may need to go get a second opinion from another pastor, another leader. That's why I gave you some books here to read. So what I want to do today so that you can learn is I want to go verse by verse. Right? If you have a Bible, can you wave it up in the air? Wave it in the air like you just don't care. And when I say yeah, say yeah, yeah. Okay, now, <laughs> watch, you got a Bible? Now just open your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, open it up, and just skim it with your eyes real quick, the whole chapter, and just make sure it was there before you came to church. Because there is no David Copperfield pastor going on here. We're not trying to trick you. Just go through it right now. And I want you to see, is 1 Corinthians chapter 12 in your Bible? Can I, can I get some testimony? We have an electronic Bible. Is it there in your Bible? You haven't found it yet. You have one of those old school Bibles. Okay, it has it? Yes. Okay, your Bible has it? Now, I would say if your Bible has it and my Bible has it now, we all agree already, don't we? Right? We already agree. We already agree the Bible has it. Now, where are the disagreements on what the Bible says? See, people are going to read this uh, passage, and I'm going to read the whole thing from start to finish, and then I'm going to go verse by verse, and hopefully I'll be done by 1245. Wouldn't that be awesome? That would be a miracle in itself, would it not? Okay, now... When I read it, we're all going to agree upon what I'm reading. We're, we're going to agree that the first word is now. What's the second word there in the, in the first verse? Now. What's the next word? Next word. Okay, so we're all going to agree on that, right? That's going to be simple. I'm going to read it. You're going to hear it. We're all going to agree upon it. But where's the disagreement going to be? What does it mean? That's the disagreement. You're going to ask yourself practically as I'm reading this, does this mean... When I go to Pastor Joe's church and I hear speaking in tongues that this is okay because Paul talked about it? Or 
Am I going to disagree with Paul talked about? Or am I going to say Joe and Metro Praise and other churches like them are taking Paul's words out of context? So here's what I would like to say. We already agree on what the Bible teaches, or excuse me, what the Bible says in the verbatim writing. We already agree on that. Now I want to present to you my best verse-by-verse analysis of this passage. You then can sit back and decide whether or not I will believe his verse-by-verse analysis or go to another verse-by-verse analysis. Now, if you're one of our Bible school students, you understand that this happens all the time. People have religious debate. Now, sometimes people think when religious debate happens, then that means the subject is washed and everybody is equal. There is no real right or wrong. You see it your way, I see it my way. But do we look at truth that way? Do we look at other subjects that way? So if we were talking about a man on the moon, and I was reading to you the history book of somebody walking on the moon, and you said, no, nobody walked on the moon. And I said, yes, somebody did walk on the moon. Are we both right? Can you believe someone didn't walk on the moon, and I believe someone did walk on the moon, and we both be right? Are you up this morning? Okay, are you listening to me? Are you just tired? Or I don't know. By the way, see, look up at the ceiling. All of the installation is gone. It looks cool in the winter, but it's hot in the summer, okay? So we're going to try to figure out ways to make this place cooler, but don't get all docile on me right now, okay? Oh, I'm just tired in here, and I'm just hot. I don't know. But pay attention. I'm going to ask the question again. If I said a man walked on the moon, and someone said, no, I don't believe a man walked on the moon, are we both right? No. One of us is wrong. The other one is right. So how do we figure it out? Well, if we read it in a history book that said a man walked on a moon, and then there's a conspiracy website that said it was actually filmed in, you know, some place, you know, at a studio, and they pretended. I don't know if anybody's seen that, but there's actually a conspiracy. They didn't walk on the moon. Now, they may have a book, and I have a book. But you see, for us, we are both saying we're Christians, so there isn't another book to go to. Are you guys tracking with me? So if I look at the Bible and I say they're spiritual gifts, and you guys have already started to read them, and brother, can you put up the passage again? As we read it, the argument's not really going to be, is there a conspiracy about, I mean, now about, what's the next word? And what's the next one? Okay, so obviously this book talks about spiritual gifts. So there will only be, one of two options. My interpretation is right or my interpretation is wrong. Now, I would want you to think about this. If you're going to disagree with my interpretation, maybe you came from a church where they only raised their hands if they had to pardon themselves to go use the bathroom in service, you know. Pardon me, I'm using the bathroom. Maybe that's, But they didn't raise their hands in praise and worship. Maybe they didn't do that. The only time they shouted was at the preacher for asking him for an offering. Stop asking me for money. Maybe that's the only time they shouted. I don't know. Okay? But listen, if you're in this church and you're here today, and I'm glad you're here, and we're reading this, you have to ask yourself the question, is Joe's interpretation right or is it wrong? Now, if you differ with that, you've got to give me your interpretation. You've got to then go and study. 
Go to the pastor of a church you might have went to that told you this stuff doesn't exist anymore. Or go read a book of somebody you heard on Moody Radio and bring their best argument. But then at the end of the day, can both of us be right? If you say, Pastor, we're not supposed to raise our hands, clap in church, speak in unknown languages, prophesy, lay hands on the sick, then recover. If you say we're not and I say we are and we're both looking at the same passage, can we both be right? And this is where I would then say, look at the evidence of the interpretation I'm giving you today. And those of you who have been a part of this church already with an open mind, right? You come here. Your friends might think you're part of a cult, might think you're crazy. But you've already come and you've already had an open mind. So then I would say, if you've been taught something else... Ask yourself, where does the evidence lie? Does it lie with the interpretation I've been taught prior to this? Or does it rely with the interpretation Pastor Joe shared with me? And this is my last preference before I read the Bible verse by verse. The interpretation I have is the resounding interpretation of these passages of the majority of Christians around the world. There are two divisions of Christians in the world, Protestant and non-Protestant. Both of them agree with miracles. Both of them agree with supernatural in the majority. Now among the Protestants, there's about a billion Protestants. Over 50%, close to 60% believe the way I do right now as I'm interpreting. That's about 500 million. Are you guys tracking with me? Now this group of people are growing faster than the other group. And right now currently 80% of the church growth in the world. So in the entire globe, when 10 people get saved... Eight out, of, eight out of that 10, 80%, believe the way I'm teaching you today. Now, we are the largest group of Protestants, second only in Christian to Catholics, and who knows how many of them are actually saved, right? Anyway, let's just be honest, you know what I'm saying? I mean, are they really saved? I mean, can we count them? I don't think so. Maybe half of them are saved. So I believe in our lifetime, in hard numbers and in general numbers, what I believe will be the majority of the Christian view including Roman Catholics. Are you guys tracking with me? Pray for your Roman Catholic friends and family. Amen. Let's read it together, starting in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1 through 31. I'm going to read 31 verses, not uh, speedily like Speedy Gonzalez, but in a way that I think will be efficient. Okay, so just pay attention. Watch it on the screen if that helps you. Now about the spiritual gifts, brothers. I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when some of you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. And there are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given the Spirit of a message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking of different types of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Let's just take a break. Everybody get that? There's a section. We just read 11 verses. I think it was clear. Let's keep going. Verse 12. Just as a body... 
Though one has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we all are given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So if the foot should say, because I'm not the hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If there were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker and indispensable are, are indispensable. And the parts that are weak are, and less honorable we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that it lacked, so that there should not be any division in the body, but that its concern should be equal for each part. Everybody just look up at me. He's talking about the body. You all get it? He's just saying the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. I can't say to the, the leg, I don't need you. Just, he's just making that real clear. Verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helping, of guidance, of different types of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work with miracles, do all have the gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. Everybody say amen. Wasn't that wonderful? You just heard the whole chapter of 13 read in your presence today. The whole entire chapter. Now, I'm going to present to you what I believe is the best verse-by-verse -verse analysis of what we just read. And I gave you my bottom line statement at the beginning so there's no tricks up my sleeve. I don't believe, and I'm going to repeat it, I don't believe you can read this with an open mind and not walk away believing that God has spiritual gifts for you. I believe You'll see that. Now, let's go verse by verse through these notes. Now, about gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. We should not be ignorant about the spiritual gifts. So this is the first thing we need to understand, is that when we go and discuss the gifts, we need to have studied and understood the gifts. Now, ask yourself this question. Would you want to learn how to fly a plane from an F-22 fighter pilot from the Navy or from someone who has never flown before? Okay, let's just think about it. It's obvious, but let's just think about it. Do I go to the pilot to receive pilot classes, or do I go to the, the garbage man picking up my garbage tomorrow and ask him if he doesn't know how to fly? Ask him. No, we go to the one with information. So right now, should you be asking people who don't have spiritual gifts about spiritual gifts? If you went to people who don't have spiritual gifts to ask them about spiritual gifts, what word would we use for that? Ignorant. We would say, that's ignoramus, man. That's stupid. Look at your neighbor and say, that's stupid. Don't be stupid. All right? We would say, that's stupid. I am not going to ask a guy who has never flown a plane before about flying a plane. Well, what does this button do? I don't know. Well, what do I do with this one? Well, I don't know. You know, I wanted to go to the guy that goes, you touch this, we go fast. We go like this, we catching cheese, baby, top gun. You know what I'm saying? 
Come on, right? I want to go to that guy. So I don't want to go to the frozen chosen, those who don't believe in spiritual gifts, to learn about spiritual gifts. First thing, let's go on to the second verse. You know that when you were pagan, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. The Corinthian people lived in the city of Corinth. That means that they were a part of probably the common thing of that day, Roman paganism. And Roman paganism had had variety. There were the guys who just were the Sunday Zeus worshipers, you know. And then there were the guys who really went all out. And then there were temple prostitutes even, male and female, depending on your flavor, where you could have sex as a part of your religion. Now, don't raise your hand if you wish you could have done that before you were saved. But, you know, some of us would be like, oh, that's, that's interesting. I go to church, I have sex, and it's spiritual? Yeah, okay, well... By the way, you would do that and still go to hell, right? But that's what they did. They actually had temple prostitutes, and then sometimes uh, they would have, uh, just like you would see in India, you know, in the Hindu religion or in African religions, they would have spiritism where spirits would overtake them, and they would do some crazy things. So what Paul is saying to them is, hey, I know you guys used to be wild, You used to be influenced by idols. You did a whole bunch of crazy things, cray-cray. And he actually mentions, but prior, that some of them were prostitutes, even on the homosexual side. And how many are happy God can can heal and set free homosexual prostitutes? Amen? Let's go to Belmont and Clark and shout it from the top of our lungs. God loves you, can save you, and change you. Not saying everyone out there is a prostitute, but you get what I'm saying. Even what we would say is the worst. No, God says it's all the same to me. When you look at a dirty dish, there's a dirty dish here, a dirty dish here. Do you just like stare at them? No, you just put them in the washroom, right? You you believe that that washing machine, a dishwasher, can clean the dish. And even though you might think a stain can't come out, uh, if you have a good dishwasher, it will come out. And God's Holy Ghost dishwasher, the blood of the Lamb, sanctifies everybody wholly cleanses us amen through and through better than any dishwasher so that's what he says he goes guys we're not going to do the stuff you used to do but i know you have experience with spiritual things yours came from idols this comes from the spirit of god look at verse three therefore that's what he's saying therefore what is the therefore the therefore is there to show you what came before so the statement he made, you guys were influenced by idols. Let me now make another statement about that. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So now he wants to tell these people who may be a little new agey for their time, may want to get down with the different kinds of spirits. He's saying, let me help you have a litmus test, a way of testing what's coming forth in your services when people are saying it's spiritual. Everybody goes, spiritual. Because not everything that's spiritual is from God. And this is what he said. If someone says Jesus is cursed, then you know it's not from God. So if, like, if you were like me and you lived in New Orleans and you would go down and visit tarot card readers, as I did, and they're going to tell you the future, and you ask some of them, as I did, are you about Jesus? And they go, F Jesus. You know, whatever spirit they have telling the future, it's not the Holy Spirit. It's a dirty spirit, right? But they needed to know that because some people are just wondering. I hear this person curse all the time and not love Jesus, but they do miracles. They have powers. What's going on? Well, there's also demonic spirits. And then the other thing is if a spirit influences somebody, and we'll get into the gift that was mentioned, discerning of spirits, and you're not sure. Maybe somebody's screaming, we're in this service, God is moving, and all of a sudden somebody screams. Those of us who have done exorcisms, who have dealt with evil spirits, we can ask, is Jesus Lord? 
And many here have been a part of these things that have happened in our church. When I say, is Jesus Lord, and by the way, it's not a crucifix from the exorcism. When we are filled with the Spirit of God and we present Jesus as Lord, the demons will then manifest. It becomes clear that they are of the origin of Satan now. So this is the litmus test, okay? Everybody with me? Come on, somebody say amen. Very simple, right? Let's go to verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, what I want you to see here is what I believe a tri-unity statement that gives us the Trinity in action. It says there's different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There's the Spirit. Different kinds of service, but the same Lord. And who do we believe our Lord is? In the Bible, if you confess who as Lord, you're saved. Jesus. And then we see that the same kind of workings, they come from God. Now, when God is spoken alongside of the word God in the Greek, Theos, is spoken alongside of the Spirit and the Son, who is that referring to? The Father. Because we know that they knew him as God, and they knew Jesus as Lord, and they called the Spirit, Spirit. And sometimes people say, well, that would mean the Spirit and the Lord are not God. That's untrue. The Lord, Yahweh, also means God. He's just giving the term that the Jewish people knew the Father by, which is God. That's how they called the Father, our Father, which are in heaven. Are you guys tracking there? And you can study it out further, but it's a tri-unity statement. And what I like to do is to make it simple, is we see that there's three different kinds of gifts that the Father, Son, Holy Spirit are giving us. Different kinds of gifts come from the Holy Spirit. I believe those are the nine gifts Paul's about ready to discuss. He says there's different kinds of service that comes from the Lord, and I believe these are the five-fold ministry gifts that he talks about Jesus giving in Ephesians chapter 4. And then he says that the Father, God, does different works upon the earth and in people's lives. And I believe those are the seven that are listed in Romans 12 and in 1 Corinthians 12 here as well. So scroll up and see the chart. And let's just look at it real quick and see when we're talking about gifts, there are three kinds of gifts that God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit give. Now, if it wasn't the intention for Paul to divide just the Spirit giving these gifts, just the Son giving these gifts, and just the Father giving these gifts, we can easily see that the Father, Son, Holy Spirit collectively give these three different kinds of gifts. But there's no denying there's three different kinds of gifts. One is spiritual, one is for service, and one is for workings. Look at the text again and, and scroll so they can see the text. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of, what's the next word? Service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. Now, as we look at this chart, we see that the nine gifts of the Spirit that Paul talks about in this passage are listed. But let's now turn to another letter that Paul wrote, Ephesians 4.11, to see if the gifts of service given to us by Jesus are these five ministries. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. I don't want to get tricky with you guys. I'm going to go slow. You know what I'm saying? It's like the carburetor leads to the radiator. You know, I'm going to, do, I'm going to go slow. I wish my mechanic would talk to me like that, you know? You know what I'm talking about, Brian. Come on. Brian's like, he fixes stuff. He's like, hammer, pastor, nail, saw, you know, plug it in. And I'm like, say it again. Say it again, Brian. I can't get it. And I'm like, can you please fix this? It's funny, my dad said, I do another job so I can pay you to do your job. That's what my dad says. My dad's cool. 
Because think about it. If I didn't pay you to do your job, then you wouldn't have a job. So it's like, just fix the car. By the way, I keep talking about the van. It's actually the van. The van has a leak in it. It's not working right. So if anybody can fix it for free, let us know. Otherwise, it's, it's pretty much done. The little minivan, the little engine that could. Okay, go up to Ephesians chapter 4 and go up a few verses. Mon frère, profevor, mixing the languages. Go up. Okay, stop. Let's go down a little bit. I'm just playing this by the fly right here. Okay. I can't see the starting point that I want. Can you scroll up a little bit, please? Uh, let's go down. Let's get the verses to go higher. Right here. There we go. And the verses missing. Okay, let's start in verse 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This word grace in the Greek is charisma. Everybody say charisma. It simply means a, a gift or a grace, and it comes, charis is grace, and gift is charisma. So rather, I'm sorry, this is uh, charis. Everybody say charis. So to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. But the word gift comes from the word grace. Charisma comes from the word charis. Are you guys with me? Okay, this is a little technical, but let's keep going. But who's it talking about gave us these things? Has been given as who apportioned it? Christ. Okay, now remember, the Spirit gives gifts, but so does Christ, right? Isn't that what it said in 1 Corinthians 14? And so does the Father. Well, right now, let's see if the, the Son, Christ the Lord, gives us gifts. That is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train, and he gave gifts to men. So Jesus, by his keras, gave us charisma. By his charis, he gave us charisma. That's the English way. This is the Greek way. By his charis, he gave us charisma. These guys find it funny. I should stop. If they're the only ones laughing, I'm in trouble. I have derailed the train. When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train, and he gave gifts. Okay, so Jesus gave us gifts when he ascended to heaven. What does he ascended mean except also that he descended to the lower earthly re region? That's when he pimp-slapped the devil. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who what? Gave some to be apostles. Name them. Oh, snap. Come on. Boom, 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 boom. That's when you get the, that's when you get the car working here. I'm going to use this mechanic thing the whole day, by the way. So I just put it all together, didn't I? Now go back to the chart. The Spirit gives us gifts. We hear them listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We then hear that the Son, the Lord, gives us service. And he names off these five gifts that are the service of the church. And we know them as the fivefold ministry. These are the kinds of gifts that people have to build the church. That's what an apostle does. He starts the church. Prophets give the words to the church. The uh, evangelists go out and build the church by winning souls. The pastors shepherd like life groups and counseling. They shepherd the church and then teach like Pastor Jared and others teach and one-on-one -on -one do the Bible studies, right? So we see t nine gifts. We see uh, nine gifts by the Spirit, five gifts from the Son. If you're tracking with me, somebody say amen. Okay, now let's go to our last group here. We see that the Father gives us the workings of gifts upon the earth, things that we're going to work and do. Everybody can do these things. Now go to Romans chapter 12. 
Romans chapter 12, verses 6 and onward. And let's see what the Father gives us. And this is pretty much the most complex discussion of today's interpretation. Okay, so after you get through this, it's all downhill from here. Or uphill, depending on how you look at it. But it's going to be a lot of fun. I think downhill is a better way to look at it, right? But if you like to ski, we're just going uphill. And then what do you do when you go uphill? Then you go downhill. Okay, watch right here. Verse 6. Now scroll up just a little bit, please. Uh, there we go. So in Christ, we are for, from one mind. Let me just say this. Corinthians... Ephesians and Romans all written by the same author. So I'm not tricking you by showing you different authors and different interpretations. I'm showing you the same author just in different letters. If I say I love my wife in one letter, hopefully I'll say it again in another letter, right? And and sometimes if I'm writing you a letter, I may say part of the thing, and then I may say part of the thing in the second letter to you, you know, and I may space it out. And we're just looking at Paul three different times writing on these kinds of subjects. Uh, but scroll up so the numbers get lower, please. So up will be that. There we go. Let's just stop right here. Verse 3. For by grace given me, I say to every one of you, this is Romans 12, uh, 3, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith, what God has given you. So God is the central giver here. In this passage, now scroll up, and Christ, of course, is a part of how he gives, but he is the central giver. And then he says, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. And who is given us in this context? It is God. Now, it comes through Jesus by the Spirit. That's why I said we shouldn't separate them, but we should see them as one. But for the sake of understanding these three categories, we can see how each person of the Trinity operates in these gifts. So God gives these to us for working. And what are they? If a man's gift is prophesying, let him do it according to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern generously. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Now let's go back to the chart. Other than prophecy... I have listed them all here. And then there's two others that Paul lists, and they are serving, encouraging, giving, leading, showing mercy, helping, and giving guidance. These are those works of service. Now, as you look up at this chart, does everybody see how God gives us these gifts? Read the verse again, and then we'll move part this, past this passage, and then we will look at its application. Read the verse again, verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. Do we understand there's nine spiritual gifts? There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Did we just learn about the five-fold ministry serving gifts? Did we see that in Ephesians? Yes. There are different kinds of working. But in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Do we see seven gifts that God gives us to do work in the church? Okay. Now, as I get ready to read these next verses, I want to ask you, let's just go to verse 7 because it's right up there, and I want to go to the chart. I want you to ask yourself this question after I read this. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. The question is, how many 
are available to receive the gifts given from God. What does the word say there? Each one. What's another way of saying each one? All. What's another word for all? Every one. So there, go to the chart, good sir. There are three different kinds of gifts, nine spiritual gifts, five serving ministry gifts, seven working in the church gifts, and according to the very next verse, the Spirit will give them to each one as he wills. So, are you in each one? So look at verse 7 now. As the previous verse states, every one of us has the opportunity to receive these gifts at any given time, whenever the Spirit wills. At any given time. Let's just take the most extreme apostle starting a church. You may be sitting here today going, I don't think I'll ever start a church. I haven't been to Bible college. I don't hardly ever do anything in the church besides help out. How could I ever be an apostle in each one? Let me give you a perfect example. Brother Ishmael's mother, Julieta, correct is her name, Pastora Julieta, moved back to her village, Rosa Morada, in the state of Nayari, Mexico, correct? Chilapa, Mexico, right? Nayarit is another city, correct? Oh, Chilapa is the village. Rosa Morada is where Pastor Frank was from, right? So she moved to Chilapa, the village, in the state of Nayarit in the country of Mexico. Follow me here. She moves into this village, Chilapa, as a Christian believer, and she wants to go to a Protestant Bible-believing church. Guess what? There isn't one in her village. So she starts saying to herself, how am I going to go to church? She begins to pray, and guess what the Holy Spirit does? I got a gift to give you. It's the gift of an apostle. Who, me? Yes. Okay, I tries. And man, Pastor Julieta started a church in her village ministering to the community. And, and she's done it right. I, as a fellow apostle, have helped her. I've given her books. We've sent missionaries there. Pastor Chris and Vanessa uh, spent the summer there with some of the others. They can attest to you. It's a church. She loves Jesus. And there it was. The Holy Spirit just said, now's your time to do something great. Another great example is I was talking about my dad. My dad throughout his whole life would just serve in the church. And sometimes the Lord would give him, and put up the chart for me, please, sir. Some, sometimes the Lord would say to my dad through a pastor, hey, Jim, can you help us out and drive the bus? Yeah, so my dad would help out and drive the bus. Other times uh, the pastor would come to my dad and go, hey, Jim, can you help us lead the youth? My dad would go, yeah, I'll help you lead the youth. But you want to know what's most surprising as my dad's retired and you guys got to meet him last week? At the end of his whole career, he retires and instead of retiring, he refires for Jesus, right? And guess what God says? Jim, I want you to be an evangelist. I want you to start Fort Wayne for Jesus. And at all the major festivals, we'll be going down there July 13th to the Three Rivers. They were just at one last weekend. My dad, wearing a Fort Wayne for Jesus t-shirt with a bunch of other people, goes out, gives water, Bible tracts, and prays for people to know Jesus. But he never thought, he never thought when he was in his 40s working as a financial planner for American Express that he would be an evangelist. 
but God gave him that gift. Now, if we can see the service gifts and the working gifts are quite easy for God to give, no problemo, we don't have any problem with that, then why would we think tongues, prophecy, and any of the other things on the list would be any different? God can and will give his gifts as he determines as often as he wants. And as a matter of fact, as we continue through the passage, we'll see that he gives them all the time. That he's always wanting to prophesy. He's always wanting to heal. He's always wanting rather someone to be his person upon the earth to use. Last time I checked, angels don't come down, anoint the sick at hospitals and pray for them to get better. Who goes to the hospitals and prays for people to get better? We do. Last time I checked, an angel didn't come down and give a prophecy. But we give prophecies, right? So we're his chosen vessel. So he wants you to be available. Now, let's go on to verse 8. To one, there is given through the spirit a message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by the means of the same spirit. To another, faith. To another, healing. Another, miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, speaking in different types of tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. Now what I want to do is list these out for you, the nine spiritual gifts, and just tell you what they all mean. Very quickly, it's in our 201 book as well, okay? The message of wisdom is a message that God gives about the future. This is like foretelling. It's an example in the Bible of Agabus predicting a drought in Acts chapter 11, verse 28. The message of knowledge is a supernatural understanding about someone's past or present. The example of this was when Jesus knew about the woman's perversion when she hadn't told him in John chapter 4, verse 18. So understand this. Wisdom can say, by God's spirit, I know this will happen in the future. Be careful. The message of knowledge says, God knows your past or your present. And here's what you need to know about it. Does everybody know the difference? Wisdom, future, knowledge, present, or past. The gift of faith is a super endowment of faith, supernatural endowment of faith. What's the example? Peter walked on water in Matthew 14, 29. This is not a repeatable thing. You couldn't always ask God to give you the power to walk on water. That's why it doesn't work if you've ever tried to repeat that. The gift of faith to do something is a one-time thing. Walk on water, bam, that's it. That's all you can do. Go get the fish and find gold in his mouth. It's a one-time event. The gifts of healing. Notice it's the only gift that's listed plural. Gifts. Plural of healing. Why? Because there's so many different ways in medicine that uh, the doctors tell you can be sick. You can have psychological, uh, mental sickness. You can have physical sickness. You can have sickness of the bones, sickness of your, uh, your genes, you know, with cancer and different things. So I love that God says plural gifts of healings, the many aspects of being physically healed. God can do. Jesus healing the blind man. It's just one example, healing physical blindness. John 1, uh, chapter 9, 1 through 12. The next one, miraculous powers. Now, all of these can be considered miracles, but what they're not is, uh, excuse me, miraculous power and the gift of faith are not repeatable in the same way. The gift of faith, God gives you the gift of faith to do something crazy for, crazy for him, and the miraculous power is the fact that it goes through. So it's like, Moses, put down your staff in the Red Sea. That's the gift of faith, to be able to be that crazy, to do that and tell people, let's get ready to walk. God's miraculous powers is what splits it. So the gift of faith and miraculous power work hand in hand. An example of a miraculous power in the Bible is the building shaking after the disciples prayed in Acts 4.31. 
The gift of prophecy, many think, is about foretelling. But remember, and now as he lists the nine gifts, the foretelling gift is the gift of wisdom. That's the one that goes into the future. When he describes the gift of prophecy, it's actually for encouragement, meaning when the And it could involve the future, but its primary thing is to give you encouragement. For example, Paul telling the jailer that he and his whole household would be saved in Acts 16.31. And in our services, you'll hear somebody pray out, you know, as they did today, you know, God is saying this, and if you come to me, I'll do this. Those kind of encouraging words are prophecies. When it gets into the future and foretelling, according to Paul's list here, that's more of the message of wisdom. Now the distinguishing between spirits is the supernatural ability to discern if a spirit is from man, God, or the devil. There's three origins, uh, uh, three ways a spirit can come from, an origin of a spirit. It's your spirit, man's spirit. You could just be silly, being, being whatever, being crazy. Or it could be influenced by demonic spirit, evil. Or it could be experienced, uh, you could be experiencing God's spirit. When we're spiritual people, we need to test the spirits. Just because somebody shouts out a prophecy, I don't sit in the back, nor do our leaders, and just go, yeah, that's God. No, we're testing the spirit. If it goes against the word of God, or if it violates a principle that we know, we're going to say that we'll stand before you and say, sorry, that wasn't a word of God. We love you. Thank you for trying. But you miss God. And if they start going, ah, then we go, now we know you have a demonic spirit. But it could have been just their spirit, you know, because I've missed God before. How many of you have ever thought God said something and he didn't? Well, where did that miss? That that miscommunication come from your spirit. And here's just a little side note. We're not talking about prayer. But when we talk about God speaking to you in prayer, does he sound like Charlton Heston or does he sound like your thoughts? He speaks to me like my thoughts. And you might say, well, Pastor, that's because you're talking to yourself and you're crazy. No. How do you expect God to talk to me? God is speaking to my heart. God is going to use the language of the mind, and the mind that you have is of thought. So he's not going to violate the laws he's already established. He can have an audible voice, but he speaks to you through your heart, through your mind, through your thoughts. That's the pattern he set up. You can believe it or not, but I happen to believe the Bible, and I can prove it empirically by things that God has told me that I never would have known that came as a thought. Is everybody with me? But that's the discerning. Is this a demonic spirit, something from the outside influencing this person? Is it their own spirit, or is it the spirit of God? The next one is uh, number eight, the gift of tongues, speaking a message in tongues to the church. And this is simply speaking in tongues and then having the tongue interpreted so that the church can understand it. And the word for tongue, glossolalia, is language. And so it's speaking in a language you haven't learned to the church, and then either you or someone else interpreting what you said so that it can be understood as a message. And then it's taken as a prophecy. So the gift of interpretation of tongues means to hear that message and interpret it. Now, All of these that I've mentioned seem to be very clear. Is everybody tracking with me? Remember, if we're Christians, we don't disagree about the Bible, do we? All we disagree about now is our interpretation. Am I right? Do you have a better one? Ask yourself. I don't believe there's a better definition than what I've given you. If you find one, come to us. Bible scholars, students here, we'll we'll discuss it with you. But I believe this is the best. Now, here's where the confusion comes from. People then take this nine spiritual gifts tongues and interpretation, and they say that these are the ones that only people focus on, and they come against them, and by doing so, they neglect the other seven. And the very fact that people come against them shows that we haven't properly taught them. So I want to properly teach them. But let us be reminded, there's not just two gifts. 
There's nine gifts. But let me explain this to you further. Let me show you in the notes. The gift of tongues is different than the message of tongues. And let me help you understand. When you look at the book of Acts, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke in tongues. Does it say that people interpreted those tongues as a message? No. In Cornelius' house, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues, and Peter says, they've received the Holy Spirit just like us. Did they interpret those tongues? No. When John's disciples were baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, and spoke in tongues, did they interpret those tongues? No. In each one, I got my wife saying no. Does anybody else read their Bible? Does anybody else read their Bible? Just wondering. Like if I just said, you know, and then they met Barney, would you believe me? I mean, do you read your Bible? Is there any point in the New Testament where the tongue is spoken, then someone interprets the tongue in the book of Acts? Yes or no? You are correct if you're saying no. So what we see is that there is a differentiation between what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I want to give you four reasons why there's a difference. Number one, none of the examples of receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues and acts, has a separate interpretation given for the edification. Number two, Paul wrote in the same passage, but in chapter 14 we'll get to next week, about people praying in tongues. Everybody say praying in tongues. Praying in tongues, nobody understands because they utter mysteries. Number three, Apostle also stated that praying in tongues, somebody say praying in tongues. Praying in tongues is for personal edification and that the gift of tongues with interpretation was for church edification equivalent to prophecy, 1 Corinthians 14, 5. And lastly, when Paul wrote, as we'll get to next week, that he could, listen to me, Paul wrote that he could sing and pray in English just like he could do that, make himself talk and make himself pray. He could do that with his mind as well with his spirit in tongues. He could pray in tongues at any time, and he could sing in tongues just like he could pray and sing in English. 1 Corinthians 14, 14, 15, and 1 Corinthians 12, 11. So what do we interpret this passage as? Very simply, when you're born again, Christ wants to baptize you with his spirit. The evidence to you being baptized with the spirit is you will receive a prayer language. You will speak in unknown tongues, mysteries to God that are not meant to be interpreted. This now new prayer language is to pray for the personal edification of your faith. Jude says praying in the spirit, building up your faith. It is also in spiritual warfare. Ephesians says in all manners of prayer, take on the devil. We believe that includes praying in tongues. Also in Romans, it's for intercession when you're groaning and praying in the spirit you're groaning and praying prayers that your words can't comprehend but the very heart of god does so the praying in tongues is a manifestation after you receive the baptism of the holy spirit now that you've received that you can operate in the nine gifts and if god gives you a message of tongues the difference is you now have to interpret it and therefore if you don't interpret it don't give tongues to the congregation
But can you pray and sing in tongues in the congregation? Yes. Can you prophesy in the congregation? All of this. But the difference is, is that one is for the benefit of the church. The other is for the benefit of the individual. And you can go back and study if you don't believe me. Number 11, as we move quickly now. All these are the work of one in the same spirit. He distributes them just to each one as he determines. So aren't we talking about nine spiritual gifts as he determines? Yes, we're not talking about our prayer language. Verse number 12, just as the body, though there are many parts, but all of its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. So we're saying all of those gifts, and if you go to the chart quickly, all of those gifts form one body. Whenever you look at this chart, no one should be saying that I am greater than the other. And I'll read through the rest of the passage quickly. And you don't have to move it from there. Just keep it uh, there for the rest of the, the time, please. So does everybody see God gives these gifts and makes them available to everyone? Does everybody see that the spiritual gifts are for the edification of the church and he gives them as he wants? Does everybody see that the service gifts, the fivefold ministry gifts, are for the leading of the church? Does everybody see that? And he gives them as he wants. And does everybody see that the working, what we work and do, cleaning the church, leading, compassion, mercy ministries, is given by God as he wills? Are we all in agreement with that? Now, Paul's point at the end, and I'll just summarize it. We, we've already read it, and I won't read it all. But Paul's point at the end is, if you're a prophet, don't argue with an evangelist. If you're a mercy giver, don't argue with an encourager. Don't argue with a guider, the one that's giving guidance and counsel. Everybody work together. If in this service somebody has a message of wisdom and another one has the message of tongues and interpretation, don't think your message of wisdom was greater than the person who had tongues and interpretation. You are a part of the body. But in every service, guess what? Here's the conclusion. All of those should be present. In every service, in every service, that should be there. This is what God wants. God wants to be foretelling. Maybe you'll get a message of wisdom today. Come up to the altar. By the way, you know why we have altar calls? To do this stuff right here, to, to do this. That's why we have them and to get saved, but to do this, right? Every service. You should be able to come up to an altar call and go, man, there's something in the future that I'm dealing with. I don't know what to do. Does, does God have a gift of wisdom for me? Can you pray and see if God can give you insight? You don't have to go to Madam Cleo. Go to Pastor Berto. Pastor Berto gets words all the time. All the time Pastor Berto gets words. I don't even know where he's at. Did he get a, Oh, there he is. Go up to Pastor Berto and say, I'm seeking God. And if he says, I'm not getting anything. He's not going to make it up. He's not going to say, thus says the Lord, take me out to lunch and you shall prosper it. Prosper it. He's not going to lie to you. He'll spit no. But he may say, you know what? I'm hearing God say this. And with everything we give you, go back home and pray and see if it's what God is saying. Message of knowledge. Well, I'm going through this. What should I do? And sometimes I'll pray and I'll go, you didn't tell me about this. Is this true? And they'll go, whoa. You know, I'm praying for my marriage, Pastor. I'm praying for my marriage. You know, but God just gave me some knowledge. You've been looking at pornography and she's really upset about that. See, you may not want to come up asking for one of those. But that's what he did with the woman at the well. She said, oh, you know, in the Bible, she said, oh, you're a prophet. He said, yeah, because I knew about you having sex with all these men, and they're not your husbands. What about the next one, the distinguishing between spirits? Aren't you glad in this church we know what's of God, what's of the devil, and what's of the flesh? We should have the gift of faith in here. Hey, pastor, I'm really weak in my faith. Let's pray that God gives you faith. Do some crazy things for the Lord. 
How about this healing? I'm sick. Let's pray for healing. Well, I got cancer. That's covered. I broke a leg. That's covered. I'm going crazy in the brain. I'm having anxiety. That's covered. We'll pray for you. Miraculous power. I just need God to do a miracle. Okay, let's believe God to do a one-time miracle on your behalf. God can do it. How about this prophecy? I need encouragement. I need to hear what God hears about. I need to hear what God is saying about me right now. I can't hear his voice. I'm in a storm. It's cloudy. It's black outside. The disconnect is there. I don't have God's email. Is he, is he thinking about me today? Somebody can give you a prophecy. Oh, yeah, I hear God saying right now he loves you. I'll just give you just a real, just a real sweet one. Just bless my heart so much. And I don't want to tell too much of it because it is a little bit personal. But Monique and I were talking one day, and there were just a lot of things going on, and she was getting married and all that. And I looked at her, and I said, I just want to, I said, this is weird. I said, but I just want to call you my little pumpkin. I said, I just want to call you my little pumpkin. And then she got really teary-eyed, and she said, that was a term of endearment my grandma would say to me. And I said, this is what God is saying. He's telling you, you're his little pumpkin today. How do you think I would know that? You think I walk around calling people my little pumpkin? <laughs> Maybe I do. You don't know. But for the most part, I don't walk around calling, you're my little pumpkin. But what was that? That was a prophetic word. I never, I never would have guessed that in a million years. I could keep you here all day with stories like that. Tongues and interpretation of tongues. Once again, in our services, God can do that. So when we get down to the very end here, and let me get to the end, because that's what he talks about the body, and we all understand that. In verse 29, and you don't have to, because I want the chart to stay up there, but in verse 29 it says, Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have the gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret? Some people have said, well, pastor, this proves I shouldn't have to speak in tongues for the baptism of the Holy Spirit because it says not all speak in tongues. And that's where I correct you. And I say the tongues he's talking about is the message to the church because in Acts chapter 2, they all spoke in tongues when the Holy Spirit came. In Cornelius' house, they all spoke in tongues. And in Acts, is it 17 or 19, Jared, when they all spoke in tongues? Acts 19, they all spoke in tongues. And none of those three circumstances did they interpret. So how do we take this passage to mean? What this passage to us means, when you came to church today, is everybody an apostle? Is everybody an apostle, yes or no? Is everybody a prophet? No. Put on my glasses, next one. Did, every, did everybody here work miracles? Did everybody here have the gifts of healing? Did everybody here give a tongue with an interpretation? That's the point. When we get together, not all of us are doing the same thing. That's why he went through the whole example of the body. Now, go to verse 31, good sir, please, at the end. And I want you to see this. Because somebody may say, from that verse, well, that means it's I don't have the gift. I'm not into that spiritual stuff. I'm kind of like a spirit light Christian, you know. You guys are kind of like root beer float Christians. You guys are just crazy. I'm like just like I'm like a diet Sprite guy. I'm like a diet Coke guy. Spirit light, like blah 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 blah. No, no, I've had enough today. I've had enough. I'm holding back on the spirit. The spirit light. It's watching my spiritual figure here. Because, like, do all speak in tongues, pastor? Do all interpret? You know, that's how I put tongues and interpretation right next to each other. Why? Because it's in the church, right? But some people say, do all speak in tongues, pastor? You know, I'm not supposed to do that. It's not my gift. And it's so crazy how they get so ugly when they say it, you know. Like, God has given gifts, and I don't want it, man. I don't want his gifts. He could take him back. 
yeah, and it's gross and disgusting. It's like, yeah, we want to be happy like you. That's what I want. That's what, yeah, I, I want to give back my gift to Jesus so I can be like you all crazy under the Christmas tree. If you were my child, I would spank you silly. Tell us, spank you till you appreciate it. When he's then all of a sudden you're like, you're like, oh, speak in tongues, Jesus. Oh, speak in tongues. You better thank the Lord that I am not Jesus. Amen. Praise God. He's so much merciful. How many know God's more merciful than all of us? But I have to hear it as a pastor. But they don't read verse 31. It says, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And then he talks about love, and everybody says, oh, yeah, it's all about love. It's all about love. Yeah, but he takes up after in 1 Corinthians 14. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. So there's, And he also says at the end, don't forbid speaking in tongues. So there is no way you can walk out of this. And would you put out the conclusion, good sir? There's no way I believe you can walk away today not understanding that God has gifts for you. Would you stand up and give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Come on. For His Word. We thank Him for His Word this morning. Ben, would you come, please? I feel like I've lost about three or four pounds. Amen. Some people ask me, like, why don't you wear a suit? I'm like, have you ever seen me preach? Like, wear a suit while you jog, dude, and then talk to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is why I don't wear a suit. I am, like, sweaty right now, man. I almost want Sid to come touch my back just to prove it to everybody. But does everybody believe me? I'm hot and sweaty right now. God is good. God wants to give you gifts. God wants you to be a part of his body. The reason why today the church is not as strong as it's supposed to be is because some of you are not being the part of the body you're supposed to be. If everyone here did their part, the church would be so much stronger. For example, many of you are called to be evangelists. Go out and share your faith. But some of you don't want to do it. Some of you are called to be encouragers. In, in just the chart one more time, I'm sure you are done hearing that statement, brother. But thank you, thank you. Some of you are called to encourage people, but you're gossiping. You ain't encouraging. You're gossiping. Church is weaker because of that. We have to go around and put out your fires. Others of you are supposed to be leading. Like Paul said, or rather the writer of Hebrews said, that uh, you're supposed to be on stake. You're supposed to be eating meat. But man, you're a 40-year-old baby. We're parting the whiskers to give you Gerber. You're, you're still on the, the brastasis. You, you, have, you haven't caught yourself in the meat of the word yet. you like been saved for all this time and you're still doo-dooing. And I always say it's cute, you know, when I got to change Lucas's diapers. But God forbid if I ever got to change Steve's diapers. Steve, wave your hand. I mean, that will be a messy day. Could you imagine that? You know, putting on the glove, going down under from the land down under. You know, and just... You know, getting it out. So it's like, dude, grow up. Put on your mantis. Put on your mantis, dude. <laughs> oh, how many remember, man, when you got big boy pants? You know, put on your big boy pants. Man of God up. 
There's, there's, not, there's not enough of us doing it. There's not enough of us on our jobs doing this. How about charity? Loving people, helping them out, right? Serving. Like, do you think like I really have to say to our workers, there's just too many of you helping out around here. We've got too many. Come on. Just think about that. Just think about that from a pastor perspective. Do you think my discussion with the people of the church is generally A, we have so many of you, we don't know what to do with you. Or B, why are you sleeping in again? I'm about ready to rip you out your bed to get you here on the morning. What do you think? Do you think I have enough workers in the church or not enough? What do you think? So what are we going to do about it, saints? See, today wasn't a shout and holler message. It was a teaching message. The question is now, what are you going to do about it? I want to be the first one to set the example because I've held the mic the whole time. I want to ask Jesus to use me. And I want to surrender. And that's why we raise our hands. It's a part of worship, but it's also a mental thing of like showing our body is surrendering. And I want to say, Holy Spirit, whatever you want from me, I'm available. I am your servant. Use me in any way you want. Does anybody want to join with me? Would you want to raise your hands? Come on. If you don't know Jesus, now would be a good time to get to know him. Otherwise, you're going to look silly, right? Not in front of us, but before the angels. Angels are like, dude, why is that guy raising his hand? Well, get saved then. Or just sit there like a lump on a log. It's okay. But all those who raise their hand, ask Jesus to forgive sin, confess him as Lord, and then after you do that, say, use me, Jesus. Use me, Jesus. Holy Spirit, pour out your gifts on me. Jesus, give me the working of the service gifts. Father, I want to work. Come on, Jesus. Altar workers, would you come? Don't raise your hands because you don't mean it. Raise it because you mean it. Don't be fake today. If you want to get saved, get saved. But every saved person should be able to say, God, use me. Oh, yes, Lord. Now, if you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, you can receive that prayer language right now. Right now, be filled. Be filled. Holy Spirit, baptize them. Give them their prayer language right now. All those who already have their prayer language. Come on, just pray it out right now. See, I don't need an interpreter because I'm not speaking it to you as a message. I'm speaking it to God as a prayer now. Oh, and I'll sing in the Spirit too. Mysteries. Things I don't understand. That's my interpretation. What's yours? Come on, I believe it today. Oh, yes, God. Oh yes, God, Rebando. Heaven come to earth. Holy Spirit flow through me. Holy Spirit flow through me. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Jesus. 
how many can you just look up me right now before we dismiss? And I would ask you, just to remind you, if you've got five minutes, I'm not going to lie, Lord, forgive me. If you've got 15 minutes, stay after me. We're going to have a great graduation ceremony here. 15 minutes. Maybe 20. Let's make it an even half hour. <laughs> I am convicted. Before we go and do that graduation for however long we do it for, Ask yourself this question now, just in a moment of you and I looking at each other, reflection. Do you believe what you heard today? I'm a Bible college professor. I teach these kinds of things. I believe it. I've studied it. I've talked to others who don't. They just don't, they don't have the weight of evidence on their side. And once I experience Experienced these kinds of things, now I have a testimony. It's like I've flown the F-22 jet. I've done it. But do you believe it? If you do, go home today and read them again, this week rather, and just ask God to do it. Because a part of Metro Praise is not to keep repeating it every week, but to build on the foundation of Christians who want to do this. And we know there are other churches that don't. Okay? And they still can go to heaven because this is not a matter of salvation. You can go to heaven without any of those gifts, but you must have the gift of salvation. Okay, You must have that, but you can go to heaven without these gifts. You will not have that much fun on your way there. <laughs> you won't. I'm just being honest. You may get there and you'll be all busted and disgusted and the father will look at you and say son what happened will the devil give me a black eye I lost my family to this and, and I got this and I got this and he's going to say didn't you know I gave you a beat, a stick to beat him down with I gave you gifts to change the world with why are you coming here like a defeated person I made you more than a conqueror amen Let's hold each other's hand like a big, hot, sweaty family right now up in this thug dizzle. And let's have this Armano pray for us. Salvador, will you drop it like it's hot and just bless God's people? Father God, we thank you, Lord, for this message. Oh God, I pray, oh God, that your fire will come. Lord, Father God, that, that, that every person in this room, oh God, will feel, feel with your spirit, Lord, Father God, so that we will glorify your name, my King. I pray, O oh God, for your spirit to fall on your people, Lord, Father God. They will be obedient, O oh God, to every calling that you put in our lives, O oh God. That every person will receive their gifts, O oh God. They will not reject that gift, O oh Lord. We thank you for everything that you're doing, O oh God. We thank you, O oh God, for your spirit to, that, that you have already poured on us, O oh Lord. We thank you, God. We ask you, O oh Lord Jesus, to guide us through this week, Lord God, to be the, the apostle, O oh God, to be the, the, the person that you call us to be, Lord Jesus. So you call us to be a, an evangelist, O oh God. Let us be obedient to that. Let us receive and use that gift, every gift, O oh Lord, Father God, that you give us. Oh, we know that it's perfect, God, because it comes from you. We thank you, Lord. Be glorified in this place. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's bless them one more time. God bless you. You're dismissed, but if you want prayer, now is the time to get it. And we'll start at 12.15, our graduation ceremony. But worship, come on and get some prayer today if you need it. Yes, he's pouring out his spirit. Oh, come on up if you need prayer today. us today.
give us your gifts, oh God. Fire. 